Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Avengers Assemble. It's issue 11. I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. And other David. Welcome to another issue of the Crimson Call Comic Book Club. The podcast and club meetings are structured where we talk about uh, spoilers on our club picks. Uh, current club picks uh, throughout these couple months. We're talking about DC's uh, Metal, Doomsday Clock, Clock. We have Avengers No Surrender. We sort of graduated. Officially, we've got yeah. Uh, Phoenix Resurrection. Yeah, it wasn't we, initially a club pick, but... Uh, sort of graduated, yeah. promoted that one into uh, spoiler territory. Uh, but yeah, so we'll have the top section of each uh, podcast talking about spoilers of these picks. And then the back half is uh, going around the table and people talking about their favorite comics in non-spoiler fashion. So shall we jump right into it? Sounds good. No objections, no, no objections. Yeah, yeah. So we have Aven- <laughs> Avengers No Surrender, issue number 676, part 2 of 16, just to make it even more confusing for everyone trying to follow along there. Uh, this series is by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, Mark Wade, and Pepe Larraz. The Black Order, the Lethal Legion, two teams of powerful villains bent on destroying each other have arrived on Earth, and they don't care who gets caught in the crossfire. But who's pulling their strings? And what is the secret of the Lost Avenger? As we talked about in great detail last week, um, we all met one of our favorite all-time Marvel heroes, yes. Voyager. Yep. We all coincident. You know, we all showed up with our Voyager merchandise, our hats, our pins, and oh, I've been hoodies. a long-time fan. For yeah, the when- first time last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, when, uh, how, how about you, other David? When did you first get into Voyager? What's your favorite classic Voyager comic? David actually might have questions on Voyager because <laughs> did he not? David probably didn't check out the uh, <laughs> podcast to fill in on this, and uh, mm. he just just caught up on the reading. Uh, David, you get any questions work. about Voyager? <laughs> uh, yeah, has Voyager ever? actually appeared in yeah stanley and jack kirby no, uh, classic no, no, run no. on voyager they went to like what 400 issues or something non-stop that's, longest yeah, I mean, run i mean that's fake clearly see on the the uh front cover here that uh she's on the, the very first issue of the avengers she's been there the whole time well at least now i know i do have a superpower i seem to be immune to any reality warping <laughs> Things Marvel can throw at us. Well, perhaps he got sucked in some sort of uh, alternate dimension vortex thing and memories were wiped from other people. That that could be. Because that's pretty much what happened yeah. to Voyager. And that's pretty much yeah. what I said, on, and now I can't think of the name again, the DC character that they did that I mentioned uh, last mm. week. Yeah. That's familiar, and they did the same thing with, uh, with that character where been around since the beginning, but nobody remembers it. Uh, but to answer the question uh yes yes voyager has appeared before Mm. um before avengers no surrender part one kind of yeah not in not in the fake (laughs) not in the fake histories you read here but in uh marvel uh marvel legacy number one when that came out there was a scene there was a page where uh where jarvis was uh 
feeling that something was off, but couldn't quite uh, figure out what it was. And he's looking outside the Avengers Mansion window, and he looks at the famous statue that's on the lawn. And you see Voyager in that statue, like like you see in the within there. Um, so technically, print publication wise. She did make a tiny appearance, but it's easy to mistake her in, in the background that maybe it was Wasp in that statue in a way. Yeah. So, and they don't focus on it. It's kind of in the background. You know, hey. Welcome Jim here to the table. Hey, guys, Jim. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're just kind of recapping last week's uh, Avenger issue and kind of bringing everybody up to speed. So, uh, But, yeah, so she had appeared um, in a statue form in the background of Marvel Legacy, and it was kind of kind of brushed over yeah now that you mentioned that i remember seeing that page i just i didn't right it it was was a very easy to miss thing uh and just like jarvis missed it you know yeah (laughs) and speaking of jarvis i felt like something (laughs) i did go back and read legacy and caught a lot of things i missed the last time too yeah i think after each uh each month of marvel you should probably everyone should just (laughs) reread legacy to kind of see what all the little seeds they planted and um, but yeah, speaking of Jarvis, uh, this issue kicks off with uh, Jarvis being uh, uh, medicated. He's being researched by uh, Beast, Beast and Nadia Pym, a.k.a. the Unstoppable Wasp. Um, she showed a lot of concern for her sort of father figure over the last year or so in her own book. And uh, while all the other Avengers are pretty much wanting to get to the root of the problem, she kind of felt uh, offended that they didn't really care about Jarvis. So so you see that uh, she brought Beast in as they're kind of researching and uh, trying to figure out what's wrong with him. Um, and then they're pretty quick to get right into uh, give, giving us some answers. Yes. Yeah, now one thing that caught my attention is the last panel on the uh, the first page um, where there's it's indicated that something's not quite as it seems, or whatever. Um, it, Beast is looking at Jarvis's bioscan, and then he says, something's very, very wrong. Okay. Now, this indicates, I mean, they're, they already know that Jarvis is fighting for his life here and whatever, so this is, like, a surprise to him. There's something that he's detecting on this bioscan that's not what's expected. You know, so that kind of is a question, and, and it's not answered in the pages of this issue, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that, but that's something that jumped out at me. It's like, okay, what's what's going on, and what does this have to do with what's going on with uh, the, uh, the Earth? And from anybody's memory, can you ever think of, like, when Jarvis was kind of thrown into, a, like, a more important, you know, role in that sense, rather than just being, you know, the butler and things like that, like... Has there been any sort of story that's kind of showed this much focus on him that uh, you can think of? At least nothing in the modern comics that I can no, think of where no, he's I really mean, been. There was that world-shattering Jarvis-Aunt May relationship. But mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, not not to that extent where um, it's really put in there. There's, there's probably been something. Yeah. I think there's been, you know, things where they... Uh, did something different, like Jarvis quit, or you know something like that, but nothing that nothing quite like this. No. Um, yeah, so we jump into Aven- uh, Avengers Mansion as we see all uh, as many Avengers as they can fit around the table. There, some are standing, 
that happened here at the club, you know, about a month ago where it had standing room only for, for some of the turnout. Um, but yeah, this is a different kind of club as they're all talking about uh, basically thinking back of their favorite memories of uh, when the Voyager character has appeared. And they do some very fun uh, editing. Uh, Tom Brevoort, who is uh, the editor of Avengers here, um, he has the uh, the footnote boxes as they kind of have each character kind of recall some of their favorite moments, you know, saying, oh, here in Avengers number one, of I course. I remember that time that Voyager, <laughs> you know... Uh, and, and then another one being in the classic Avengers number 16. And one thing that I really love was, uh, I'm pretty sure 50, issue 58 of Avengers is Vision's <laughs> first appearance. Um, that's a pretty uh, uh, pretty uh, important page there with him uh, shedding a tear there. and They threw Iron Man and then Allison Voyager right next to him. So they even throw, you know, th- I think that uh, what she says there. Uh, you know, even an android can cry. I think that was the text dialogue that was on the actual cover of that issue. So it's kind of funny that, you know, they gave that, you know, famous text to all of our favorite heroes, Voyager. No, who said it? Hmm. But yeah, they're kind of going through and just kind of talking about those moments there, which, uh, um, yeah. yeah. And and I I like, too, how uh, throughout all this, because you had the original Avengers, and then there was the first major change up, mm, yeah. where it was Cap's Avengers, uh, where it was just the four um, Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Hawkeye, and uh, you know they even included her there as being the only one who stayed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. When they switched up the team, and she stuck it, you know, so, stuck it out through like, them too. I, I guess that explains why it wasn't the all new, all different Avengers. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we meet this, uh, she's recalling this, uh, or they're recalling this battle against Victory, which is, uh, the Electromagnetic Man, um, and she talks about basically in this fight that, uh, to quote the book here, um, that what's, uh, she was removed from normal existence, even from memory, uh, she knows that years have passed, and she saw that they've all moved on. But it was like a time passing in a dream. So yeah, she was like kinda... she was able to kind of see it happening, but not as not living it like everybody else was. I just noticed something I didn't see when yes. I read it. So um, at the top of the page where she says it was like time passing in a dream, she's over this kind of purple background. But looking closely now, those are all a bunch of different uh, Avengers and Marvel character comic book covers throughout the past. Yeah, I see some all-new X-Men, Avengers versus X-Men, so you got some modern stuff thrown in there, too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that detail. Time passed differently. I remembered it like reading a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> they even have the Morbius uh, comic in there, too. So. And there's barcodes. That's accurate. <laughs> I wonder if I can scan that with my, with my yeah. app here. Yeah, find out. So, yeah, that was a cool detail I didn't even notice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, she's kind of talking about that, and basically just, you know, that's why, like, nobody ever really, uh, you know, talked about her, remembered her, and basically when she popped back into normal existence, I guess, quote-unquote, um, that, you know, the, what the everything just kind of caught up, I assume. Like yeah, they, everybody, once she was back, suddenly everybody remembered it like they had never even forgotten so, yeah, and uh, once again, they're all, uh, while that's going on, they're all still talking about this uh, problem for No Surrender, which is the the Earth has been stolen. 
Um, and they have all of their heroes. Uh, they're trying to uh, figure out, you know, what happened with all of them that were frozen in time, I guess. And, right. They're also going around because now there's, you know, this is uh, the combination of all these different Avengers and all these different Avengers teams. So they're all also trying to work through this, like, who's in charge here? Um, yeah, we saw Voy- Voyager. You know, everybody's <laughs> looking to her, but she's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to just step in here and take charge. Um, we saw a lot of leadership from Rogue in the last issue where she was kind of, you know, kind of in the, the front line there for... Uh, for her side of the Avengers team, the, the Unity Squad, if you will. Right, um, but you're seeing some leadership from um, from three different characters who are kind of all uh, trying, kind of stepping on each other's toes, but trying not to step on each other's toes. Um, like you have Sam Wilson, you know, formerly Captain America, and now he's the Falcon again, so yeah, he is kind of talking about that too, you know, whether or not to... <laughs> Um, it's not kind of almost uh, like a regular team-up thing where you'll get the, the heroes who can't at the beginning quite decide how to work together. Um, you know, almost like you would have an, an initial Avengers meetup or whatever where, where you'd have the different heroes uh, together trying to figure out how to work together. Um, but in this case, you've got so many Avengers rather than focus on that. It's just more of a how are these uh, different leaders going to work together. And the story uh, jumps over to Egypt, which we have uh, something crash landing, opening up over the sky, uh, which leads to this big splash page of a whole bunch of characters that, uh, uh, thankfully, they give names to. Yeah, and I I wonder what the significance to using some of these characters might be. Now, uh, in the back, they they give you a little fact sheet that, you know, there's a good portion of these characters that are completely new to this comic. So if you're new to Avengers and stuff like that, you're just like, okay, I'm just trying to learn all these 100 Avengers that we're dealing with. Now we have all these crazy characters. Yes, and, and, my, and my wondering, you know, it's uh, sarcasm because you have characters like Proxima Midnight, who uh, we will be seeing yes. in the Avengers uh, uh, Yeah, the Infinity War. So a good portion of these people, uh, the Black Order, are people that worked for Thanos uh, over the... Over the years, and that's where they're pretty much uh, famous uh, from, but they've since been defected from. In Thanos' book, he basically kind of reclaimed and just kind of like cleaned house, basically. So these guys just, I think, I don't even know if they're directly working for him anymore. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's what a lo- all the people on the left side there are part of, uh, mostly related to, to Thanos. And uh, most of the people on the right are brand new for the yeah, most the, part. The, the Lethal Legion, while that group has existed, um, most of the characters that are currently making up the Lethal Legion are brand new that you're seeing for the first time. So once again, if you're confused on any of those, there is a fact sheet in the back there that kind of gives an explanation of all that, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, we see them uh, basically charging into battle against each other. To us, I guess they feel like they're, you know, two supervillain groups, but they're clashing together, and they've been, what, set on, like, a challenge uh, from some unknown... Yeah, and and we don't get this, but you kind of get the feeling that it has to do with why the Earth is where it's at, and it's almost like these two groups were put here, kind of like looking back to, like, Secret Wars, Mm -hmm. uh, where the Beyonder had taken... um, and all these different characters and put them on this this planet or you've seen things where 
you've got a planet made up of different cities or something like that with characters placed there. That's kind of the uh, the setup here where uh, you get the impression that whoever's behind putting the Earth there is also whoever's behind having these two groups competing against each other um, on the Earth. And that uh, overruling voice, a disembodied voice, basically kind of gives them a timeout where they basically stop fighting and they kind of recollect themselves. And uh, so, yeah, that was an interesting introduction into, you know, this story here. And then we're jumping back to the mansion as they uh, continue to talk about all the stuff that's going on around the world with the earthquakes and all the disasters and once again trying to, uh, you know, figure out what's going on with all their... Uh, heroes that are frozen in time and you see all them uh are they what just kind of yeah they've gathered them all to make sure they're all safe and sound and everybody's in the mansion and stuff like that that's a very important fact that everybody's in them everybody's in the mansion yeah for the most part um but yeah what's interesting then they get some uh some interruption on their screens as we see some uh, two floating people and uh do we know which you're going back to the nameless thing yeah right? to see if those are Black Order yeah. people. Yeah, those or... are Black Order people as Proximate Midnight and um, I cannot think of his name right Quartus now. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yep. yep, yep. So yeah, we see them floating uh, over, uh, basically on screen, but they have no idea where they are. And uh, Falcon kind of send, uh, going back to last week's question, when Jim questioned about uh, the birds, yeah. we <laughs> see some of this power now come into, into play. Yeah, he uses uh, his power of the birds to... to kind of connect with birds um, across the, the world to see if some bird can see where they're at. And uh, it's pretty interesting where they find them because they're <laughs> directly above the, as we see they're above the mansion and on the last page of this issue, boom, or was it say, Warum? It's Yeah, Warum. Maybe Warum happens when every, you know, so current Avenger is... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, obviously for a part two of a sixteen, and you have you know, uh, presumably all the Avengers just blowed up, you know, in the event in the Avengers Mansion. I, I assume the story must be done then. So yeah, that wasn't. It's just gonna be blank pages for the other four. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what they're where they're going <laughs> with this. Now that all the Avengers were apparently killed off in the second part, especially with seeing them gathering all of the frozen ones, because you could understand that if something happened to the Avengers Mansion, and then all of a sudden, you know, the frozen ones were still like law and ordinance or something like that, and then you know, <laughs> but. uh but yeah, so that was a pretty uh, explosive uh, issue there. We got our well. Of course, you still have uh, Beast and Wasp. That's true. At the hospital oh, and Jarvis. And Jarvis so. Okay. So you do still have them outside of the mansion. So uh, Jarvis is gonna get... wear a Hulk Buster, I bet, and finishes <laughs> carry a shield. <laughs> Hulk Buster <laughs> and a shield. A shield made out of a other Iron Man suits. So <laughs> yeah, he'll just take it. all these different aspects. Uh, Mjolnir. Uh, and uh, he'll take on the name Avenger. Speaking <laughs> Falcon's of, wings. Oh, there we go. But speaking of Mjolnir, so we have um, we have one Thor here, but I do believe in the larger Marvel universe, we do still have another couple of Thors kicking around who might show up. Can't say. Yeah, that is true. We kind of talked about who wasn't there. Like we had the Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, we're we we've also talked about how. Um, before this uh, No Surrender started, 
Um, a lot of interviews and everything were putting out the information that there are going to be a lot of Avengers used, um, you know, both, uh, you know, the, the main Avengers teams, but also like, you know, the B listers and C listers and D listers and so far on down the, uh, the alphabet. So there's actually quite a large amount of Avengers who were not in the, uh, the mansion when you get down to it. But of course, uh, None of us are likely to uh, to believe that the ones in the mansion are actually dead, because even if they were comics. I'm going to give a prediction that this is all setting up for uh, there's only one more group of Avengers that we haven't seen that they're going to have to call upon. Bring the Great Lake Avengers out of cancellation. Flatman and uh, Big Bertha and all of them are going to come back and uh, hopefully save the day. They'll so. save the day, and then Squirrel Girl will become unfrozen. Yep. She'll realize how they saved the day, and then she's going to want to join them, and they're going to be like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah, they're too good for You're her now. So. <laughs> Is Laser Lightning frozen? or? Oh, yeah, the, what the, yeah, the living, lightning, living, living, lightning, he's just lightning. Just regular old meteorological lightning. Is he frozen? <laughs> no, he was, uh, he was at the table. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah, he was, uh, talk, he, I think Never he gave mind. one of the, one of the memories, I think, too. He's out. Never mind. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I want to ask a question to, uh, we talked about last week how both, uh, Jim and Katie, haven't read of it like this was your first Avengers yeah. and Jim like you haven't read in what like so many years yeah, yeah. a couple decades he said yeah. um kind of your thoughts so far two issues into kind of jumping into this event any thoughts on it this cover is amazing and yeah. uh, I'm having a ton of fun with it and I'm less overwhelmed by all these different Avengers than I thought I would be um, exactly yeah I was kind of worried when they're like, we're putting everybody in. Like, uh, yeah, it's a lot to, I know like six. So. Yeah, it's a lot, to, a lot to bite off and chew I, on I've for a while. I've least, least heard of most yeah. of the names. So. Same. And it's uh, kind of interesting because, you know, the Avengers don't know what's going on. So as a reader, we're kind of following along with them. There's not a ton of assumed knowledge. And I don't know, just kind of a fun adventure story. We had these like galactic supervillains fighting each other. That was pretty awesome. So yeah, it's great. I'm having fun. Are you? Good, good. Yes, I am. Um, I went back and, like I said before, I went back and read um, Marvel Legacy again. And Marvel Legacy does have a panel or a page with um, Steve Rogers. Is he still in someplace else in the well, he Marvel was, Universe right now? Or? He was, well, he was frozen yeah, for this story. And in the current, in his... That's right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he was the first one they showed frozen yeah, last right. week. Um, in his current book, which, you know, timeline-wise, you know, who knows where it all syncs mm-hmm. up, but his current book post-Secret Empire is that he's basically on a road trip across America and he's kind of just doing these little adventures by himself and not being part of the, you know, public eye, but people are kind of... Yeah, he, he's trying to uh, rebuild the... Uh, his good his, name. His, his, yeah, re- rebuild that trust. He did get zapped, though, so... Yeah, he was but, the first and one And there was another one we talked about last week was Tony Stark, yep. who is... He was he's a, in a machine in New Jersey, it looks like. Yeah, like he was currently an AI, as well as his body went missing in his own Iron Man series. Uh, so it is... Kind of left up in the air to see if any of that stuff would eventually tie in, or if they just take that as being like, you know what, he's out of here. Let's not even, even though he's one of the you know founding Avengers, you'd think he would have some sort of 
and maybe that could coincide with the upcoming milestone issue, you know, because right now it's the search for Tony Stark and the death of Thor. And just yeah, like, and we, we don't have any idea how um, how No Surrender is going to affect other other books in the uh, in the Marvel universe. Yeah, they, is there going to be any kind of? There's not supposed to be any tie-ins. Yeah, they've said that. No tie-ins. It's just a straight 16-issue story. Obviously, they can say that and then, you know, throw in who knows. But, um, yeah, so it's always interesting to see, like, kind of how the other books go forward. And I am reading pretty much all of those. So anytime there's any sort of information, if there is, then I'll bring that to the table at least. Just going back through um, Marvel Legacy, I noticed that uh, those main Avengers, at least from the movie Avengers... Captain America, Iron Man, a Hulk was be being called for to come back to Sakaar. Yeah, see, the Amadeus Cho is currently the totally awesome Hulk. Um, the signal uh, was for... It was frozen. In, um, I think so. I think yeah. so, yeah. He was with the champions. But yeah, so in his Hulk book, you know, they had sent for the Hulk, not knowing that, you know, he wasn't the Hulk the last time they called, you know, the Hulk was thrown into that... Sakaar world which you see in the Ragnarok movie um so yeah those that's where those are right now and once again whether or not they'll tie in who knows but a couple of big ones that I thought are still out there that you know yeah and you know was Odinson one of those that was was uncalled for was he did they mention it? Now, now I'd like to go back and look, because I think we talked about that last time. I don't think that we've seen Odinson in Odinson this Odinson was in uh, Asgardia in the Legacy book. And let's not all forget here, which I was actually pretty awesome. Uh, I like to see this title page here, which had Captain Marvel. Because they went back to that shot to that from uh, oh, the last yeah. issue. So, you know, and, you know, not that it so, so, yeah, has I mean, to go in the way of the movies. That, but that, yeah, I mean, like uh, Captain Marvel... She's still active, just not on Earth, because she was stuck outside of the uh, the area that disappeared. Ah, you know what? That just actually reminds me something that I thought was interesting. The uh, the first issue of this, um, it's mentioned by by her that the Earth and the Moon are gone, and yet on Earth these characters are saying the Earth is gone. So where is the Moon? Because they're saying they're they're having problems with earthquakes and tidal waves and stuff like that because the moon is missing. So yeah, the Inhumans don't live on there anymore. So, so will they play a part? So that's one question I have: is okay, if the Earth and the Moon have both been stolen, we know where the Earth is. Well, I mean, we don't know exactly where it is, but we know what's going on with the Earth. What about the Moon? Uh, it's clearly it's not with the Earth. Where is it? So yeah, I think there's a a lot to unpack, and we still have 14 more weeks to go. So, but we've gotten quite a quite a bit of action here and a lot of mystery, and yeah, I've been digging it as well. So, yeah, uh, I was actually talking to somebody earlier today about this, um, more of a trade paperback reader, and um, he's mentioning some of the Avengers stuff that he had read in trade for him, and um, just talking about some of the stories that had brought in some of those lesser known Avengers and. So I brought up this, and said, well, if you like that stuff, you know, you're going to really love this. This is going to be one hell of a trade paperback yeah, yeah. when it uh, comes out in that form. 
three or four volumes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Then they'll probably be. do a big omnibus at the end, you know, sell you all on the paperback ones, and then they'll probably come yeah. out with the hardcover one at the end. So. Yeah, with some with some extras. Because I've definitely done that where I double and triple dipped on certain things I liked where I owned the singles and then I needed the trades and then I waited for that hardcover version as well. So, Comics, that's how they get you. <laughs> Comics, they'll break your heart, right? Yeah, so far I've been tempted to go back and get those hardcovers, but I ha haven't done it yet. So hopefully I won't fall into that trap. Because <laughs> I know there are plenty of people who, that'll get you because they just need to collect those those extra little... Yeah, like nuggets of they, they throw good that comic stuff and extra get. in there, and you're like, oh, but I really that would be great to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. Speaking of, of Avengers, I have the first thirty issues of the original Avengers run with uh, Stan and Jack in Omnibus. Obviously, I don't have those in original issues because, you know, that would be I'd be sitting no, on. No, you haven't picked those up. I'd yet. Be, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll get around to pick them up for a couple pennies. I'm sure they're not expensive at all. I'm sure uh, I'll find a couple copies of each in the back issues here at the Crimson Cowl. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah, they, maybe one of these uh, crates over here that we haven't gone through yeah, yet. One, hopefully with Voyager on all the covers. But yeah, yeah. But yeah I, you know, I've got the omnibus of like the first 30 issues and something like that, and then beyond that I've got the paperback versions to pick up because, you know, it gets expensive buying those on the buy, if you will. So. <laughs> Any other questions or uh, comments about this event before we move on? Or not event? <clears throat> not event. Not yes. Did anyone else notice that when you look back at the very first Avengers team, and you see all the core heroes, you'll notice how darn short Hulk is. Yeah. yeah. He's the same huh. size as everybody else. <laughs> <Well, laughs> but uh, they've, they've done that, you know, throughout... Uh, Throughout the years, in fact, he um, wasn't very angry that day. <laughs> actually, I, I don't think in his initial appearance, I don't think he it's was that big. He was he, a little bit bigger. Yeah, than, not, but you know, not. Really, I mean, he looked quite a bit different, and they captured like that Wolverine a little bit. Size, yeah. uh, he had, he had like a monster-sized head, <laughs> um, and he was big and, and bulky and everything, and larger than a normal man. But he wasn't. Um, he wasn't that towering figure that he oftentimes is now drawn as. Um, and of course, the the, the different uh, stages that he's gone through over his, uh, his career, um, you know, they're always changing something with Hulk where they change his appearance. Um, that's just been the, the evolution of, of the character and how he's drawn. Yeah, I even noticed some of his green paint wearing off too, so it's not too accurate there. But yeah, in fact, this cover, he's actually wearing, like, it's not even ripped up pants. He's just wearing purple shorts. Hmm. Yeah, he just yeah. came from the beach or something, so. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that is interesting. All right, I think that'll wrap it up for the spoiler section. All right. And welcome to the non-spoiler section. Um, if you have never attended a club before, you missed 10 exclusive minutes of like Hellboy Talk and Jack Kirby Talk, which isn't on the podcast, so that's one of the incentives for joining the club and yeah, coming yeah, in person, right? It was right? actually good educational yeah. you know, conversation. This is the bonus features uh, off-air. 
Um, so some of our favorite books, we'll go around the table in a non-spoiler fashion. One book that I really like this week, uh, The Mighty Thor, number 703. Since Marvel Legacy kicked off, this is the death of the Mighty Thor, um, which I think in a month or two it's expected to wrap up. A couple years ago, I think it's actually like five years ago now, it seems weird that, you know, she's been Thor. Uh, Jane Foster is Thor in the story, in which, uh... Quote unquote Thor is now Odin's son, the unworthy Thor, and uh, the hammer came calling to her. But an interesting thing that uh, makes her worthy of uh, wielding the hammer is that when she does, it actually speeds up uh, her cancer process. So Jane Foster has cancer, and actually, the more she is Thor, it actually hurts her more, even though she's helping all these people. And she, over the last couple of years, uh, there's a select few that know uh, her identity. Uh, Odin's son, unworthy Thor, former Thor, whatever you want to call him. Let's call him Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Uh, he he knows that uh, Jane is Thor. Uh, Sam Wilson, uh, Captain America, knew they were on the Avengers together over the last couple of years. Uh, but very few people do know, and uh, they always kind of leading up to these issues. They keep telling her to you know stop reaching for the hammer even though you know Mjolnir is coming up and calling to her but she keeps wielding it and transforming just so he can go uh help there's the giant you know uh war on all the realms and Asgard and everything's falling apart due to Loki and Malekith and all the other like everything's boiling down into this ultimate destruction and the only person that can really save the day is someone who is sacrificing her own life if she does it one more time so starting with issue number 703 they get a doctor's opinion um from dr strange i think um <laughs> who is currently not the sorcerer supreme because if you follow his book apparently loki is the sorcerer supreme this is where i'd turn to kurt's dad and he would fill us in on that but he's not here at the moment because he is keeping up on the doctor yeah. strange so, so yeah, he would in fact be able to uh, tell you about that so uh basically going into this you just know that if she does this one more time if she becomes thor one more time in these desperate in this desperate hour uh she's gonna die and that's the setup for this issue so yeah i've really uh became a fan of this over the last couple years i haven't really read much thor up up to it dabbled in and out but i've never really cared for that kind of you know just Reading books where I don't know how to pronounce half the things when it comes to the planets and the characters <laughs> and the mythology, like to me, like it just gets frustrating when I because I'll just skip over the word when I don't even know how to pronounce it. And, you know, in these books, you know, it's every fourth word is is some crazy made up word. And uh, but since she took the mantle, that kind of caught my attention. Felt like a good jump on point. And uh, yeah, so I'm extremely been loving uh thor for the last couple of years so i've got a question yes for those who aren't reading it um what keeps jane foster from just being thor like why you know if if she's dying of cancer is jane foster and the switching back and forth you know is causing problems yep what uh what what prevents her from just transforming into Thor and just going, okay, now I'm Thor. 
she she is basically talking about uh, her own worth and like kind of like what she can help out like she knows that you know she has this calling so she of course wants to help people but um there's all everybody else in her life is basically asking her not to because that's gonna take her away from this life but she right now is putting everybody else before her um i don't know if that answers or starts to answer what you're asking they, they discuss in this issue the actual uh, effects of why it's happening to her when she does it um so if anyone's kind of questioned you get a lot of because i know they talked about it like a while back and um this is almost sort of a recap for people that maybe just jumped on for legacy you get a kind of an update of like you know, yeah, why doesn't she just stop doing it? But what drives her to do it? She just knows that she's, you know, the hammer's calling for her, so she she answers. So she wants to be Jane Foster, but she's compelled to be Thor. Yeah. Um, she served uh, on, like, some kind of advisor council in Asgard over the last uh, year or so where she was actually relocated to Asgard. She was getting uh, medical treatments and stuff like that. But as Jane, she was um, she was like an advisor or something, but she pretty much realized she's, you know, oh, there's a lot of uh, friction with uh, Odin himself. He's uh, He's been upset ever since his son can't wield the hammer anymore, and he's not approving of Jane being the one who is Thor. And so she's dealing with a lot of uh, criticism when it comes to that as well. So she's kind of using it to to prove that, you know, she is the one to help and yeah there's a it, it you can tell that they're playing the long game because you know you jump into this book knowing that she had cancer and that was five years ago and you know however long that was in comics time could have been a year maybe um but knowing the writer has been writing this and he wrote odin's son thor for a couple years prior to this as well. So it's not like when they brought in Jane Foster Thor that they gave a new creative team or anything like that. It was the guy who was writing Thor all this time, and he's currently doing this series. He did The Unworthy Thor, which you just recently read. I have, yeah. Yep. It's very good. A lot of fun. They uh, bring in some classic Walter Simonson characters, so that was cool. That was a five-issue miniseries that's uh, available out there. Um so uh, to see him playing like the long game here of just knowing a direction rather than, hey, this will be a fun little gimmick or something like this isn't a gimmick so much as he's been telling this story. And it, you know, seems to be wrapping up here. We don't know. You know, it's got a feeling that she, even though it's called the death of Mighty Thor, um, I'm hoping as a reader that we will uh, see her in some shape or form. I know you and I, David, have talked about Maybe she'll wield one of the other million hammers well, that are out yeah, there. Well, yeah, I mean, she's not the first person who ever, who's ever taken over for Thor. And, you know, historically, as they've done that, they have the tendency to uh, bring the regular Thor back and uh, give uh, give that other character some sort of Mjolnir substitute where they get to be uh, a character, you know, a Thor-like character. Continuing on from there, but to not get rid of them um, altogether, you know, same sa same thing like, uh, you know, like, you know, James Rhodes is taking over as Iron Man, 
Iron Man came back, and then they find like the War Machine armor that they give to him, so that he could stick around and just be War Machine rather than still being, uh, you know, Iron Man once Tony Stark is back. That that kind of thing they've done that with before. So that's uh, that's one thought is you know are they going to continue on with with that approach and and do something like that? Um, now I've said before, and I can't remember if I've said it uh, at official club time or whatever, but it has been stated, you know, that uh, this isn't going to end the way that you expect, but that gets said a lot of time, you know, that, that type of phrase gets thrown out there, and what does that mean? Because, you know, <laughs> a lot of different people are expecting something different, um, so I don't know if that means that uh, they're not actually going to kill off Jane Foster, or if that means that... Uh, they are because they're figuring you're expecting that there's going to be some last-minute save. I, I don't know what that means. And I want to bring light to the joke that uh, Jim said about the, the Thor Corps. Actually, in Secret Wars, like, two years ago. Did you read, I, that? I read that? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, they had that, like, where one of the battle worlds was, uh, like, Thor police, basically. And the one I want to bring light to is uh, the Garut Thor. Um, I assume he just said, I am Thor the whole time. That's I think that's awesome. how... But yeah, it was Groot as Thor, and they all wheeled in hammers and flew around and policed and stuff. But yeah, to wrap it up, uh, Thor, the Mighty Thor number 703, within these pages contained the most emotional moment, I think, over the last five years. And that's what made this uh, one of my favorite books this week. Uh, moving over to Mr. Crypt number three. All right, so this week we have Mr. Crypt number three. It's called Mr. Crypt on Vacation. Uh, this is a limited issue series, so this is the final one in the series for now. It's an Alterna comic. It was written by Troy Vivesis and Alexander Javik, or Jovic. Um, and the subtitle is called Welcome to the Jungle. And so uh, it starts with Mr. Crypt is going off to his job at the library, and he finds a letter that says, For all your hard work, we have decided that you deserve a vacation. Here is a ticket to an uncharted tropical island. That sounds fantastic. So uh, Mr. Crypt is all ready to go on his vacation. He gets there. The boat is mysteriously empty apart from the captain. And he says to the captain, well, why is there no one else here? And the captain says, didn't you hear? The island is dangerous. I lied. I've been wanting to go there for years. And Mr. Crypt says, you lied. Why? And the captain says, but there's a priceless golden skeleton that I must possess. So... Uh, while Mr. Crypt has been tricked into this uh, vacation that is clearly not a vacation, his friend and roommate Baron Rat is having a country western party at his house with all his animal friends. <laughs> He's playing the guitar and singing songs, and maybe they'll do some line dancing. But uh, So Mr. Crypt goes to the island, and right away things start going wrong. The boat is sinking. They find a totem that Mr. Crypt says don't touch, and of course the captain touches it. And so the captain is now captured in a trap, and uh, then Mr. Crypt says, oh dear, oh dear, of course, what must we do? Uh, they are roasting the captain, whose name is Mr. Candle Wax. Um, I, I thought he was going to actually be a candle, but he's just a guy. Uh, he is going to be roasted, and wait, what's this, Mr. Crypt? He finds the golden skeleton, and then wait, it's not a golden skeleton, it's just a regular skeleton with paint, and lucky for us... Mr. Crypt is a skeleton, so we know something's going to happen there. And uh, my favorite part was, because I love Mr. Crypt, he's just good fun, is when they get back, they say, hmm, well, 
Don't look too hard, though. You might miss the mini adventures right in front of you. And then we get to the last page. And I was very happy to see the end, comma, for now. So maybe we'll get some more Mr. Crypt. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, kind of took Mr. Crypt out of the little village he's been in for the past couple of issues. Um, having adventures and uh, getting chased by the locals. Um, it was a good time. I liked it. And for me, it satisfyingly wraps up Mr. Crypt. Makes me hope there's more. He's a lot of fun. Really cute cartoon. And uh, yeah, it was great. Definitely a different story. So it wasn't just a repeat of the last two issues. And I liked it. It was good. Yeah, a guy who was uh, a skeleton who was basically just uh, perceived as a bad guy based on his appearance has basically been, you know, the whole series just kind of revolves around him just on the run and you just see that he's a really nice guy and, you know, he gets a job at a library in the first issue. And But yeah, this comic is written um, basically in a like classic 60s cartoon type yeah. of style and like not only in like the appearance but just the... The tone and like the pacing and how the jokes kind of hit like mm -hmm. it really feels like this is you know you're reading something of decades past but it's you know brand new material so it kind of harkens back to those mm -hmm. kind of comics and I know I talked about it for issue one where I was just getting like Beetle Bailey type vibes of just kind of like the style of yeah. it and just kind of the way the humor kind of works itself out but yeah I've been a fan of uh, Mr. Crypt as well. Mm -hmm. I thought it moved pretty quickly didn't you? Yeah, most uh, most do, and I know um, this is one that even though yeah, it's got like you know the a lot end. happened. <laughs> yeah, and they don't uh, really have any you know, unlike a Marvel arc or something. If they have five issues to tell a story, you know, you may have three of those issues might be pretty filler. You know, they just jump right into the thick yeah. of things and Mister Cripps. So. And you don't have to have read the previous two issues, although you should. They're yeah, they're all pretty standalone. As, as long as you just know that it's a, a nice skeleton who's yeah. not treated so nice. He gets yeah. in some misadventures, but I, as a reader, I know as soon as I see, here's a free vacation and an all-expenses-paid ticket to an uncharted island, I know things are going to get crazy pretty quickly. And Mr. Crypt has a really nice Hawaiian shirt and Panama hat. Yeah, and uh, the, the hope that there's going to be more, that's, that's something that I found in... Uh, in a few of the Alterna uh, comics, because um, most of them are limited series, not, not the ongoing ones. Um, but uh, like Trespasser, you know, I really enjoyed that. that was and, crazy. and then the uh, the end of it, um, in in some ways, felt like a rushed uh, ending. Um, it, I, you know, I wished it would have been carried out for a few more issues, and now it's got me kind of going, okay. I hope that something else yeah. comes out for that one. So kind of like with what you're saying with Mr. Crypt, it would be nice to, to revisit it and see what happens, you know, and, and maybe answer some more questions or be able to see some of these characters happen again. And I don't know what the uh, future plans are for some of this with, with Alterna. Um, if there will be any, any plans from these creators um, or from the company to do anything further with them or if they're just kind of moving on and like, okay, you know, I did this project and I'm going to move on to something else. Uh, I guess uh, time will tell. Uh, other, otherwise, you know, I'll have to start, uh, well, I'll just have to start talking to, yeah. to Peter, Smitty, and uh, <clears throat> Facebook or Twitter or whatever and uh, 
start well, asking some questions. <laughs> I know I get a lot of likes and retweets and follows and stuff from the not only like the people who run the alternative comics social media, but as far as like the creators when I first post about Mr. Crypt on Instagram or Twitter or something, I the creator was, you know, searching out those hashtags and, you know, return the love and mm-hmm. I think I think the the writer follows me. Yeah, Troy. I think I think I saw that pop up after I gave Mister Crip some love uh, last summer when this series debuted. So yeah, I, I gotta see because some of these uh, creators from Alterna have you know like liked our store's page and uh, stuff like that, and I think he might be one of them. Mm-hmm. And then you can. Uh, find you know a list of the stores when you look in the back of uh, alternate comic books and if you happen to look down wisconsin right there is uh, crimson call comics listed uh so that's always fun so the crimson call is sharing the print page with uh mr crypt himself yeah. and, and baron rat <laughs> and baron rat actually is a rat it's not just a name he really is a rat and he has a 10 gallon hat in this episode <laughs> Um, I love Baron Rat. He always gets on some cool kind of side adventures while Mr. Crypt is being chased. Yeah, so. Good stuff. Go hope, read it, guys. Hope for more. I just have one question. Yeah. Does anyone listen to Guns N' Roses in that comic? Uh, they should have because I thought about <laughs> like playing that song. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I laughed a little bit because I saw Jim's reaction mm-hmm. over there when you said, Welcome to the Jungle. I thought you were going to ask if uh, Voyager was in this comic anywhere. So <laughs> It's Voyager Mark. Yeah. She's showing up in she, everything. She was. We just uh, haven't realized it <laughs> We just don't it remember yet. it yet. Yeah. yeah. We'll get there. And Mr. Crypt, no surrender. <laughs> uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move over to Batman number 39, Jim. Batman number 39. Uh, this is subtitled sub- Super Friends Part 3. Um, we, I believe we talked about Batman the last couple of issues about he is now um, engaged to Catwoman, Selena Kyle, and the last few issues has been him dealing with um, Clark Kent and how he's going to tell his best friend and how you know they're both going to deal with him being engaged to her now. And This issue deals with him and um, Diana, Wonder Woman. And it begins with... Um, Commissioner Gordon in his office getting upset when he sees the bat signal up in the sky and he storms to the roof to find out what's going on because he's the only one that's supposed to use it. And there is Wonder Woman who is apologizing and says, I wanted to talk to Batman. And so Commissioner leaves them alone and they begin their conversation. And apparently they have a deal with another character that if he's not new, this is the first time I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, I, uh, my understanding is that this is sort of a uh, retconned character. Okay. The gentleman who is a fighter who basically holds back the hordes of hell. Ooh. Um, and in one of their previous missions from the Justice League, uh, Batman and Wonder Woman have agreed to give this guy a break once in a while. And now he's calling for them to come and do that. And not to spoil any of the other rest of the story for this, um, they do talk about the engagement to Catwoman. And um, um, what I wanted to bring up about this is why I do not hate Catwoman. Uh, I think their relationship is interesting. I think 
for Batman or for Bruce Wayne to marry Selena Kyle is a bad move yeah. for the comic in general. Batman cannot be a happy home life person. Yeah. He cannot be happily married. Um, and this book kind of brings cracks to that happiness. So I think it's going to be interesting in that so way. So it brings some happiness your way, then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's because, you know, without giving uh, much away about this, um, things kind of like Mr. Cripps, uh, free, free vacation there. <laughs> things are not what they seem, you know, with this deal that Batman and Wonder Woman have with this gentleman, uh, uh, where they would go and, uh, re relieve him and give him a break every once in a while. Uh, there's, th things aren't necessarily what they seem to be with that deal. Um, so that really... I, I think comes into play a little bit there when uh, in, it, it, it complicates matters, uh, particularly when it comes to the uh, um, the engagement. Yeah, and that was something, you know, when they first announced the engagement, that was like, what, spring, like early summer or something, and then they had this whole Kite Man, you know, mini story in there, so to kind of like really drag it on and kind of like, you get away from the engagement, and then you kind of get back into it again. So if you've been following that, then uh, issue 39 is a pretty important chapter in that whole story. So Sound good? And Selena is not completely unaware of it while they're gone because she's escorting um, the gentleman around Gotham. So she gets some of the backstory while this was happening. Is it gentleman like... <laughs> Describing how he is as a man, like gentle. Apparently, that is his title, man. Yeah, the it, gentle man. Ah, yeah, it, it, so yeah. Hyphen? Is, is there a hyphen in there? No, I think it's two three, separate three, words. Three, right? two, yeah. The, nice. yeah, yeah, three. The cool. gentle <laughs> man. Well, we'll jump from the gentleman to the ice cream man. Image Comics released a brand new issue number one. I bought this solely on the the title and the cover. I purposely didn't read what this comic was about, and for anyone listening who has maybe heard the buzz about this, there's been a lot of talk about it, um, the less I say is better, so I will just say this, um, if you're a fan of the Twilight Zone, you're going to get some of, that, some of those vibes in here. Apparently this will be an anthology comic in which each issue is going to be surrounded about, uh, around a bunch of different cast of characters that have some sort of connection with the ice cream man. Um, but yeah, this, this book was uh, something that was a complete surprise in a very scary and delightful way. A lot, of, a lot of interesting surprises and disturbing imagery and something that, I mean, I guess you can kind of see it because it looks like a very like cultish like ice cream man with just a horde of kids behind mm -hmm. him all just going nuts over this ice cream cone. But um, it seemed like a regular ice cream man to me, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like by by the name and the picture alone, like if a parent had their kid in there, it'd be like, oh, that looks like a fun kids comic. This is one hundred percent not a kids comic. Uh, so uh, I better go grab it off the all ages rack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a record seller this week, too. <laughs> All those three-year-olds came in and <laughs> picked up Ice Cream Man. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, wow, it was it was a very crazy book. So, like I said, if you're a fan of The Twilight Zone, 
that would kind of give you the vibe of what you're entering into this. So that's all I can say about it. Of course, I can't read it. No, no. So big Twilight Zone fan. <laughs> can't even read it. And then I'll just give some quick honorable mentions of uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Venom, Venom Inc. Omega, number one probably. Part six. Um, this is a the wrap up came out uh, with the uh, first ever crossover between the Spider Man and Venom titles, as they say, and seems hard to believe, but apparently it's true. Yeah, yeah, especially with Venom springing from Spider Man comics. So yeah, there's a giant story. Uh, much like the Avengers, No Surrender, is that you're getting a lot of moving parts in this. But I think it was all very much uh, orchestrated pretty pretty well, um, dealing with uh, the Venom symbiote and a bunch of other people having the Venom symbiote and good Venom symbiotes and bad Venom symbiotes kind of switching sides and working together. There's a lot of interesting team-ups and twists and turns, and it was a six-issue crossover that was... Uh, um, it didn't really feel like there was a they missed a beat and they just stuck to the story and each issue was uh pretty crazy and had a you know awesome reveal at the end here and this wrapped up this little venom ink arc and i'm not uh a venom i wouldn't say i'm not a venom fan i've never really picked up his comics never really cared about him so much but because dan slot has been writing spider-man which we'll talk about in the next segment um I was definitely going to pick it up because it went from Spider-Man series. So I had to read them anyways because when you're committed to a book, that's what you got to do. Uh, but it wasn't a letdown. It actually got me to be curious on where these characters are going further. And I may have to start looking at the Venom title to see where some of those threads are. All right, going. I'll go so, put it on your list. Dang it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, anyways, it was a nice little, uh, event there. So if you're a fan of Venom, um, I think it's pretty easy to jump in. Like I said, I didn't really have much information on all of these other characters related to the symbiote. Um, but it was told in a way that it was pretty easy to follow along. So, and then another honorable mention, uh, X-Men Gold number 20, uh, with me just being a Kitty Pride and, uh, Colossus fan, as we've seen in their series and their their relationship kind of coming back together and them kind of teasing with, you know, whether or not they want to give it another shot after, you know, they've each died a couple times and <laughs> broken up and sometimes both were related to each other, sometimes they weren't and other people being in different dimensions and comas and everything. So they always want to try to see that, to, you know, to make it work. And while they're stuck in the negative zone, this wraps up this negative zone war that's been going on over the last couple issues. Um, but as a fan of Kitty and Peter, this is an issue that uh, people should read if they... Uh, for some reason, haven't jumped onto gold. So, I think that'll wrap it up for non-spoiler yeah, picks. Yeah, that does it. And now the news. Okay, so you know, speaking of relationships and uh, whatever, and I should I should say you know. For the, our first news story here, um, I'm just going to put this out there. Bit of a spoiler. Okay. Yeah, so right so, now, if somebody hasn't read X-Men Gold number 20, you can press pause right now, go read it, and you're back. 
All right, welcome back. Um, so big news here uh, is the ending of X-Men Gold. It ties in with uh, a, a little uh, bit of information Marvel recently had, had put out. Um, actually, not real long ago that this, they said that this was going to happen. Um, Marvel announced that in June they would be having the wedding of the century. <laughs> okay. Um, so Voyager is finally yeah. tying the knot with <laughs> the Marvel Universe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, you know, the, a lot of people kind of had some ideas of where they were going to go. And most of those people were uh, probably right. Um, as we see, uh, well, and even even reading X-Men Gold, it doesn't necessarily give that away. True. But it's confirmed that this is actually the case. Um, uh, the X-Men Gold, uh, issue 20, ends with uh, um, Kitty Pride and uh, Peter Rasputin, Colossus, uh, Colossus almost having died again, um, and Kitty, uh, I, I guess if we go back, back a few issues into X-Men Gold, Peter sort of proposed without really proposing, just saying if they were getting back together, he, you know, this time he wanted to see this end, you know, or not end, but <laughs> lead to them uh, getting married. Yeah, he wants to break up with Kitty so as an ex-girlfriend because he wants to marry her. Right, yeah. So Something you like can't, that. you know, so, you have to uh, end the relationship to so start the next No, I'm not actually proposing, but I'm letting you know that... That's, putting on the table. Yeah, I, that's what I'm putting out there. Um, and Kitty was like, you know, well, slow down there. You know, let's uh, let's take it easy. We've been through some things. and um, Let this sit for but, a couple issues. But with... With almost losing him again, she has some some things to think about, and the uh, the issue closes out with uh, with her basically proposing to him, saying, "Yeah, if the offer is still out there, you know, let's let's get married." And he's like, "Huh?" Um. So Marvel didn't waste any time. They came right out and said, "This is going to be the wedding that." Uh, this is going to be the wedding that they were talking about. Um, and the actual issue number oh, 30, yeah, that 30 is, I think. Is that what it was? I, th I think they said issue 30 is when it's going to be. I was thinking, you know, they'll jump right into it just a few issues down the road and we'll get it for the, the anniversary, that 25th mm -hmm. uh, issue. But it looks like uh, right now they're talking issue 30 will be the wedding of uh, Kitty Pride and Colossus. Um, so there's probably a lot of fans out there that, that will hate this because that relationship has been so controversial and drug out and been on and off for so long. Uh, there's, there's probably as many people that hate the idea as there are people that are fans of it, like Anthony and myself, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this, of this couple. So, uh, it's great news for, for people like yeah, us. Yeah, we'll be attending. Yes, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be there. Whether you're invited or not. <laughs> <laughs> What's their wedding hashtag going to be? I don't know. Okay. Hopefully they'll do that. Though. I'm sure they'll do that with advertising and marketing these days. I'm sure they'll do yeah, it. They need a name like Peter's. Yeah, Pity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
A pity party? <laughs> Steel kitty. Steel kitty. I guess we'll find out. That's not the way those names work, David. It's got to be a merging of their actual names. <laughs> I'm predicting that she's uh, not going to go through with it. And she's going to instead go through the floor. She's going to phase through the altar and into the church basement and run out of there. So <laughs> she can phase through uh, objects if no one knows. So. Or she could just like run out of the air. There will be some <laughs> some interruption. Uh, Magneto will attack. Or... Does anybody uh, object to this wedding? And then there will be a big explosion in the church. And... <laughs> yeah. Running through. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. So, but yeah, I, I'm excited and I can already see myself like using, like, there are some like real life weddings of like, like relations and st- like, you know, family relations of things where I was invited to just being like, yeah, I'm probably not going to go to that. And it's weird to say that I'm so much more excited for this <laughs> fictional wedding in a comic book than I would be to like some, you know, that, you know, these characters. I might even wear a tie. Exactly. <laughs> I can guarantee you that week when I show up at the Crimson Call, both on Wednesday and Saturday, I will be uh, dressed for a wedding. So We should have cake. Oh, let's there we go. Yeah, let's get a cake. I'll let's bring all, a cake. Let's all dress up. Oh. Okay. Hey, let's make do a it. special event. Let's have uh, it could be the an... following club. So, uh, and you... Next November? <laughs> or this November? Or, uh, well, June. June. Well, they said June, Ten? and I haven't counted oh, oh, issues they... for, for months when it's going to be, actually, because I... Because I seem to have issues out, right? Yeah, so it uh, yeah. doesn't seem right because they mm-hmm. said June. So not so I gotta really check that That's because weird. I'd seen like issue thirty somewhere, but that doesn't sound right because what it actually should be would be more in line with. Uh, yeah, I should talk to her cake decorator at work, and uh, she could, she's whipped up a, a Hulk versus a Godzilla cake that I sort of designed for her. That's awesome. I took the images online. A customer had requested that, and she came to me and asking like what the heck to do and i i put together a mashup of that image and i should actually get her to do a actually june would be like issue 25 so maybe it is 25 i saw somewhere 30 i didn't see the number but 25 does seem because they're on 20 now where where would that land them i took algebra twice so don't ask me so um but yeah, I should uh, we should talk about that off air and maybe do some sort of like X Men sale or something. But I, I would I'd be willing to purchase a cake for the event and just make a big shindig out of it. So. <laughs> oh, okay, this is I dress up. Just this, <laughs> this is gonna this happen. Is getting, All right, we gotta celebrate. It's the wedding of the century, yeah. right? Yeah. Granted, it won't be on the actual <laughs> Wednesday that it comes out. We'll all get That's a chance true. to read it uh, yep. and then uh, and then follow it up on the, the Saturday. So yeah, anything right. else on? Uh, well, how do we follow that up? Exactly. I mean, we just close it out now. Yeah. Um, we will talk about Kelly Thompson, who I think two weeks here on the podcast, two weeks ago, I talked about three of my favorite issues that were coincidentally all written by her. Um, a couple of those were uh, Marvel, being the Hawkeye and the uh, Rogan Gambit miniseries kickoff, as well as the Ghostbusters comic she did. But she's just been promoted to an exclusive Marvel writing contract, which is a pretty big news whenever they, you know, they just don't hand that out to everybody, you know, and a lot of people are pretty open to kind of, you know, going back and forth between publishers, whether they're the big two or, you know, Image and the other independents. Uh, Kelly Thompson was recently promoted to that, and uh, while they said stay tuned for the announcements of, uh, you know, what she's going to be jumping on, I had made a prediction, uh, 
a while back saying she would be awesome to take over the Jessica Jones book. So that'd be a pretty cool thing and it would kind of tie in with, but I can also see a brand new number one of like something huge that she would take over. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know, but well, there, there are going to be some, some books it's opening kind of, up. Yeah. You know, you got how many that, uh, that Bendis is writing. He's writing at least 800, I think. So over, so that, that opens up a few. <laughs> yeah. Quite a few. So yeah, anyways, that's just news there. I want to throw that out there, um, especially since we spotlighted her a couple of weeks back. Uh, speaking of people moving around on titles, Dan Slott. Yeah, that um, another opening right there. Yep, and uh, Dan Slott, who's been writing Spider-Man for the greater part of a decade, he is the second uh, person to write the most Spider-Man stories, the first being Brian Michael Bendis, who he was always going to try to catch up to. But since Brian was always still writing Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, Miles and all that, that he was always going to be ahead of Dan Slott. And Dan Slott has said, if I had known that Brian Bendis was moving over to DC, I would have stuck on Spider-Man for a while just to get past him. <laughs> but he said coming up with this 800th issue, it was kind of a, a big landmark to kind of, like to go to the next landmark would be 1,000, you know, 900 and 1,000 that it was going to be a pretty big commitment if he were to stay on even longer. His uh, tenure is going to wrap up at issue 801 for The Amazing Spider-Man. So, uh, yeah, so some pretty big news. I own the majority of his 10 years of writing Spider-Man. It's going to be a big change, and they've already announced what he's taking over. He's going to take over Bendis' role for writing Iron Man. And that, again, is Iron Hyphen, man. man. So Dan Slott is a big fan of the hyphen for Spider-Man. A lot of people will write it, um, whether it be articles or whatever, and you'll just see that they'll always ignore the hyphen. And he always says, respect the hyphen. The hyphen's there. Um, and, yeah, he's made that joke now. To, he's going to bring the hyphen over and give it to Iron Man. But, yeah, I mean, Iron Man's a title I'm, I was already reading for a couple years throughout the different writers, so... Doesn't really change much for me, but I'm excited to see, you know, his take on that character after writing Spider-Man. And, and they are stuff. preparing uh, Iron Man for a new, uh, you know, a, a new phase. A rebirth? In, yeah. Can we say that in Marvel? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Iron Man Rebirth. Iron Man Reborn. Oh, wait, they did that in DC, too. Um, Iron Man Refused. You could regenerate. <laughs> um... Uh, the one thing that, I don't know if this is official, I just heard rumor going around, but we haven't heard much from Nick Spencer, who wrote Captain America, both Sam and Steve, as well as the Secret Empire event, as he ruined all of our childhoods, did all that stuff last year. Um, it's rumored that he might be taking over Spider-Man, which he, he's been kind of laying low. He's kind of taken his uh, respected time off and vacation, and he said he's excited to announce what's coming up. But well, that'd be a good way to change up Spider-Man a little Parker's bit, make him a Hydra agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, big news there. just like the, uh, the meme, you know, he <laughs> killed Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah. <That's> what... <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it was weird just being like, when I saw that news come through, it was both sad for him leaving Spider-Man, because I had been loving it, but then also happy to just see, you know, that he's still sticking with Marvel. I'd be happy to see if he went over to DC and saw that as a trend or something. That was a possible rumor and stuff like that. But I'm excited to see him still stay in the Marvel family and uh, try on the the arc reactor for 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 a try. So um, yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, he's staying with Marvel. He's not going over to DC to write one of those Marvel books. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that will complete that news. Uh, you have another topic about uh, something going back to what we mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I wanted to uh, an update to follow up on uh, on uh, the uh, the Stanley scandal that we talked about last week. Um, and David, I forgot. I didn't even warn you because you're a huge Stan Lee fan, and I, we discussed this. You weren't here last week. I kind of kept and, and I have, it. and I haven't even talked to you about it. I'm like, I want to see. I wanted to see what happened with it before even ruining your childhood that you're still in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I've been keeping up on on it and kind of you know trying to see what's going on with it because I had some questions you know from. From last week when we we talked about it, um, and one thing caught my eye, which was that there is another accusation out there, and uh, so there's there's some some questions. And again, you know, I support you know this this whole movement of of the women who are coming forward and uh, um, you know making these things known, and you know I support the support that they're getting um but i i am one of those people who who've become concerned that the more steam that this picks up the easier it's going to be for people to just throw out accusations and and ruin people's careers and stuff like that um you know so it's it's really you know one of those slippery slopes like you want to you want to support this movement and at the same time, you, you know, you know, you'd hate for anybody to be accused of something, um, and ruin their their career or, or whatever, and then find out that, that you know there was nothing nothing to it, um, and uh, you know, sometimes you'll hear an accusation about somebody that like you were a fan of or um, whatever, and and Stanley is one of those cases where you really want it to not be true, so it's it's tricky to kind of weigh that support for the movement and uh, still hope that that it's it's false. Um, and I've I've really tried to to be careful in in walking that that line. Um, but something that I've noticed uh, over the last couple of weeks is first of all, and we talked about last week that it was the Daily Mail that broke the story. And they're not really regarded as a very trustworthy news source. Um, and so that was the first thing that I looked at with this new accusation that, again, it was the Daily, the daily Mail. I keep wanting to say the Daily News. Yes, West Bend, the Daily <laughs> News, you have ruined it. <laughs> no, um, the, the Daily Mail. And uh, still, after all this time, no major... Uh, other news sources are picking up on it, which uh, to me says that something's wrong. And there's something wrong that's either one way or the other. Either something's wrong because there's nobody's picking up on it, which means it's kind of going relatively unheard, um, which means that, that that whole movement's not working as well as uh, everybody thinks that it is with, with people coming coming forward and everybody hearing about this. So either it's not working that way or it's not working on the other end where maybe all these other news sources are going, yeah, we're 
we're not sure that that's in you know, something doesn't sound right there so we're not going to report it um, and uh, so looking into some of these things that are going on around it is uh, currently there are no legal uh, anything civil or criminal is nothing against Stanley okay so um, so that may or may not be kind of a red flag on, on the story um, you know because you'd, you'd think something there would be something proceeding with this um, but so far there's nothing on it um, for the most part Stanley is, is still going about life there was there was like a one appearance that that was canceled and so some people say well you canceled that appearance but we don't know why that was canceled and it's one appearance there's still everything that's going on you know from from the Stanley group you know uh, there's still the the Twitter stuff you know, still that, posting that, there's the still news that activity and... everything's still going on business as usual um, so it's 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 a little odd that um, nothing is really happening with this and he's added a couple appearances as well so with that one cancellation there's a couple cons that are like oh he's coming to st louis and like since the announcements have come out you know uh there has been you know okay. new dates added as well which so you know it, it as we've reported on something as serious as these accusations against stan lee um i felt felt that it would be good to follow up and say you know, we've reported that this is a thing, but we're not sure if this is a thing or what's going on with it. Um, you know, treading treading lightly and very cautiously moving forward with this because, again, you know, we, we want to support um, any women out there or, or men. Thanks. Or men, because we talked about that. Me, Anthony and, and Kurt had talked about that earlier. Um, you know, anybody... You know, regardless of gender, who's been a victim of uh, sexual harassment, sexual abuse. Um, I also talked earlier outside of the, the club about I've, I've noticed this trend. Suddenly everything's being labeled sexual misconduct. Mm -hmm. And some of these cases are very serious. You know, there's actually assault involved and everything. And I, I think labeling just, oh, so-and-so has, you know, been accused of sexual misconduct. That seems like a very light way of saying, you know, that, that there was a, an actual sexual assault involved in it. Um, and, and I hate to lump everything into just the, the light title of sexual misconduct. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, totally, you know, a lot of people would say this is not the opinion of Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles. But I, think, I feel very confident in saying the opinion of myself and of our store... Um, is that we are going to support you know the best we can any any victims of, of anything but at the same time understand that uh, you know uh, we have we have this system of there should be evidence and proof against these people and not uh, not jumping onto any accusations to, that are thrown into the mix I, I was being sincere by the way um 
thank you also for not looking at me as the authority on all women because I'm not. But one of the things is I have had people look at me that are like, oh, you're a girl, so you're just part of this hive mind. I'm not. And I also get really mad when people don't talk about male victims because it, it happens a lot and it's very serious and it's buried even more than what we're seeing with, you know, female victims as well. So thank you for throwing it out there. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys too. Um, yeah, I mean, we won't get into to all kinds of personal things, but you know, I think it's important uh, to to understand that there are um, a lot of victims, and you know, it it goes from things that are relatively minor to 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 very major. So um, there's there's actually a large spectrum of um, of things that have happened as well as the victims involved. As uh, David steps out to uh, help with the customer here, we will move on to uh, some confirmed uh, happy news of the upcoming milestone in April, which will be Action Comics number 1000. It'll be the first comic that'll reach that number in an ongoing series, a series that started what, back in the late 30s, I think. Uh, 1938. Oh. There we go. I believe uh, it was June, so it's almost going to be exactly 80 years. And, uh, yeah, which uh, included the uh, first appearance of uh, Superman in Action Comics number one. So DC is celebrating uh, with Action Comics number 1000 coming out April 18th, and they've announced uh, some details. Uh, it's going to have a bunch of creators, uh, uh, old and new, jumping in there. We're going to see a Jim Lee cover. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be about a million, maybe a thousand variant covers. Yes, and that's the big thing is oh, uh, bringing back the red trunks, the 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 red underwear, the underoos of uh, Superman, if you will, a, a thing that's uh, well associated with the character and everyone kind of growing up with that sort of image. Um, and the last, did it start with New Fifty Two? Is when? Yeah, it, and I, and it was a Jim Lee design that took him out. Oh, is that right? And uh, so it, then we see the image, you can search for it online as well, that uh, the trunks are back, everybody. And uh, another fun thing is that, uh, so we're going to have a bunch of different writers and artists all kind of taking part in telling, you know, it seems like it's going to be one of those issues that's going to have multiple stories rather than one giant-sized, um, you know, story. It's going to be made up of a bunch of little stories all probably celebrating the character. Um It'll introduce the writing debut for DC Comics from Marvel's own Brian Michael Bendis, who has uh, made the jump. He's been with Marvel for the last 17, 18 years or so. He's really jump-started a lot of stuff over there, created many characters that have went on to be, you know, a lot of the things that you love in the movies and the animation and stuff like that. So he's making his DC debut with a 10-page short story inside Action Comics number one, or 1,000. And uh, there's a couple extra zeros after that one. Um, and an interesting note, along with other writers like Scott Snyder and Tom King being current people, I see that Richard Donner is on the list. Richard Donner, uh, known with the Superman movies. Um, it was very interesting to see his name attached as well. So he's going to have a, a contribution to uh, the story as well. So yeah, that'll be coming out uh, in the next preview book, which will be in uh, within a couple weeks, I, I assume. So if anyone's listening here, you'll definitely see it advertised uh, on the social media for Crimson Cowl. But um, 
That'll be one thing that uh, I I've read action here and there. We're getting someone who knows I, a lot more. I know I'm more. missing out on the big Superman news here. Yeah, yeah, the guy wearing the Superman shirt, you know, yeah, the, the symbol that represents yeah. hope. If I could get away and with this, I'd be wearing the red trunks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we talked all about that. We talked about, you know, who's contributing to the book and uh, when it's coming out. you didn't mention was Marv Wolfman writing a story mm-hmm. um, based on some unpublished art from, I believe it says, the Gold and Silver Age art that was previously unpublished, unpub- he is going to be writing a story based on that. Okay, cool. Now that I've missed out on part, and I don't want to retread yes. too, too much, um, when it comes to the red shorts, which I'm a huge fan of, um, I know, again, that that's going to be another uh, uh, area where fans are divided, because uh, some people hate them, never understood them, whatever. Uh, and I will admit, the current look that they've got, I think with the current belt and everything, um, it has a good look. I'm not opposed to the look that he currently has. In in the comics, they threw enough red and yellow in, into that to kind of continue with the, the colorization the way it should be. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the New 52 look, um, but I think it was changed enough where I went, okay, it, it still looks like Superman, in my opinion, should. However, the shorts, you know, I, I love that look, and, and I'm all for that coming back. But what's uncertain is I haven't seen anything saying that they're coming back, and that's the look that's going to be used, versus is this look just for this issue. Now, Brian Bendis is going to write a scene where he just goes, goes through the closet, he holds them up, and then he just throws mm-hmm. them over his shoulder, and then everyone's going to dislike Bendis. So. They were back, <laughs> and now they're gone. <laughs> they're in the wash. So. <laughs> right, and and that's, you know, is it, uh, is it a tribute, you know, because it's the thousandth, so that's what they're doing, and uh, I believe Jim Lee did the, did the cover and tried to put in some elements of current and past uh, although really overall it looks like you know your your classic you know Superman look. And we did mention while you were out that Jim Lee was also the one who de- redesigned the re- the new Fifty Two uniform. The one so I didn't, took yeah. it away. <laughs> yeah, you know that's hard because I'm, I'm a fan of Jim Lee's art, and yet I really didn't like his uh, his spin on Superman. And now bringing back, you know, I guess he's redeeming himself there. But um, but yeah, I. I don't know if this is going to be a lasting change where suddenly he's just going to have, have them, which would actually, story-wise, will seem a little weird to go back to that because then there'd have to be some yeah. sort of in-story explanation, whereas before right. you could just go, okay, that's the way he looks and not really think too much of it. You could joke about him wearing his underpants on the outside or whatever, but to actually go and backtrack and go, well, now he's got them on. How do you explain that now he's got them? Yeah. And I, I'm I'm a fan of the new, both the new Fifty Two and the current uniform, um, opposed to the red trunks. <laughs> um, they make both make more sense as he exists right now. So I was like, he's not a 1930s strongman or wrestler. So yeah, and 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 I understand. So I understand that. I understand like you know arguments from from both sides. Um, you know, when I say I'm a fan of it, I'm saying, you know, I grew up on that. I love the classic Superman look. 
Um, as homage's image is great. <laughs> but but again, you know, um, I I think that where they're at right now with it works. Um, I think making those little adjustments that they made between the new fifty two look to what they've got now, um, I I think it's a pretty a pretty good balance. Um, you know, for for me being a fan of what came before when they made that adjustment to uh, to his to his look, I went okay. This now he looks more like the super my Superman. I, I kind of hate that when people are, that's not my Superman, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know it it looked more like you know what what I was used to and and what I like. It wasn't so far removed um, from that, and I I thought it was a really good. Really good balance. I thought it worked uh, visually. I think it worked. Um, I, I guess story wise, you know, it made sense um, to continue with that to not be uh, not have that that dated look. Right. Um, going back a little bit about when the new Fifty Two came out, um, all the characters that were redesigned for the Justice League and. Um, basically, I liked any of the redesigns, but you put them all together in a group, they looked all too similar to each other. It was like, you had Superman with this high collar, and you know, which was fine, you know, I thought it was alright. But then Green Lantern basically had the same thing. It was like they had the same outfit on, just changed the colors. And it was like, so um, at moving away from that initial New 52 look was a good thing, you know, for each of the characters, you know. My prediction is when uh, you open up issue number 1000 of Action Comics, it's just going to be a meteorite crashing into Smallville, and then they're going to look to see, like, what was at the heart of it, and it's just going to be the red trunks. <laughs> I'm calling it now. They sent those out separately. They're just now fetching <laughs> with, uh, with the current continuity. <laughs> Dear Cal, we forgot to send this with you originally. <laughs> Love, Mom. So, yeah, that'll be a big thing. We'll definitely be advertising that. And I was saying that I've read of uh, action here and there. I've got a couple issues in the collection, but um, I had always intended on at least you know pre-ordering that one. Pre-order being the key word. That's going to be a... A pretty important book when it comes to, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to print a lot of them, but um, they're also going to sell out pretty quick and start coming out with second and third printings and all that covers. But if you want if you want a copy of Action Comics number one, then uh, heck, you can even pre-order it now at Crimson Cull, even though it's not number even... One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep saying that. Number one yeah. thousand. I keep saying that. I keep, forgetting, I keep forgetting the zeros. Um, I'm sure there'll be several... Variants on that too. So yeah, um, that'll be an interesting previews to look through to see all the different variants and uh, how many copies some people might buy multiples of. So, all right. Do you happen to have a number one in the store? No. <laughs> <laughs> was there like a reprint? We, we, was we a, did have. And it was the loot crate. I don't think reprint. That we, yeah, somebody picked that up. And that I was think, even. I believe somebody picked that up. And that was even a, a decent price too. Like yeah, it even, not what you would think. Yeah, because that was recent. You know, it's only like a few years old. A reprinted version of it, and yeah, it was actually it had a pretty uh, 
but it was a subscription box exclusive and stuff right. too, so that made it even more limited. So pretty good price tag on that one. All right, any other thoughts on that at all before we wrap things up? We're good. David, you want to take it from here? <laughs> uh, one thing I'll mention right. is that uh, for next week's uh, meeting slash podcast. We have Avengers number 677, the third chapter of No Surrender we'll be talking spoilers on, as well as spoilers for Doomsday Clock number 3, the monthly series. It'll be going 12 issues total, as well as the Phoenix Resurrect, uh, Resurrection number 4 of 5, or of 6 if you include Jean Grey number 11, which will come out after that. Uh, but the Avengers and Doomsday Clock issues, if you uh, subscribe to this, those issues... Um, um and be a participant with the club those will be offered at a club discount so no other strings attached to uh to reach that discount if you purchase those titles pre-order those titles and uh join in on the weekly discussion so we'll be talking about those and uh non-spoilers for our favorite picks for next week so until then i'm anthony i'm david i'm katie i'm jim and other david to be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com